Okay, stop the tape, please. Welcome to We Are Weezer Perfect Situations number 11. Today we will be talking about cello studios. Hi, my name is Rachel and We Are Weezer is a podcast about, you guessed it, Weezer. Um, So myself, Juliet, my co-host and sometimes special guest hosts dig around. We find details on your favorite songs. Usually we just do one per show. We give you the down low, we review it, we rate it using our super secret special rating system. And we wrap it up in a nice little Weezer package for you. Today, it's we're doing a perfect situation, which is a little bit different. And usually we'll take a deep dive on something, usually having to do with Weezer, but could be non-related to a song, could be Weezer news. I don't know. It's just how we roll. It's kind of whatever's happening at the time. So today, what I'm going to attempt to do is give you as much detail on cello studios as we possibly can in a short period of time. So let's do it. Okay, so the history of Cello Studios. This place is incredible, and I'm really glad that I took a deep dive. Here we go. It was originally constructed as a Cash King grocery market in 1933. The recording studios have a history that spans over 80 years. Seriously. Uh, What the hell, man? It's crazy. Cassius King was at its time the largest market on the West Coast. And if you go to the studios, you can still see some of the meat locker doors from that period, which is really cool. The market survived the Depression until 1942. And at that time, it was converted into a place called Madame Zuka's Hollywood Casino, which sounds very exciting. Madame Zuka's entertained World War II soldiers, and it had wild burlesque shows and illegal gambling. So definitely sounds like a fun place uh, at that time. I wonder if it's haunted, too. The next couple of years, the name was changed to the Cotton Club, and then it was changed again to the French Casino. I guess they were trying to get around some new liquor and gaming laws by changing the name. Not sure if they were successful or not. By 1950, the casino had closed and the building was converted into a radio broadcast center. So it was first called West Coast Productions. The main stage was where Studio One stands today. 
and it produced hit radio shows like the Tennessee Ernie Ford Show, which I'm sure you're all familiar with, right? Good old Tennessee Ernie. He is um, much funnier than Minnesota Sam, just FYI. In, um, sorry, I apologize for that. In 1954, the name then changed again to Radio Center Theater. And in 1957, Don Blake acquired the building and it was renamed Western Recorders. So soon, Mr. Don Blake would go on to sell it to an engineer named Bill Putnam. And he was actually Frank Sinatra's personal engineer, which is really fancy in my opinion. So Bill kept the name Western Recorders and started the process of transforming the space into the recording studio that we know today. By 1960, Mr. Bill Putnam was already known as one of the giants of the recording industry. He's the inventor of the modern-day recording console. He had already founded an incredibly successful recording studio in Chicago called Universal Recording. With the backing of his clients, Frank Sinatra and Bing Crosby, you know, those guys, Mr. Putnam moved to California to realize his dream of creating the largest recording studio complex on the West Coast. I love a man with a dream, and that's a really big one, and it's very, um, I wonder, Frank Sinatra's engineer, I wonder how he got that job. I wonder if he was like in with the mob dudes. That would be a fun thing to look into. So he moves to California. He purchases United Studios at 6050 Sunset Boulevard. Then he purchased Western Recorders in 1961. As soon as the doors opened, Western Recorders was producing some of the biggest hits of the pop music era. Frank Sinatra, whose new label, Reprise, was also housed in the building. And he recorded some of his greatest work in Studio One, which includes My Way, The Summer Wind, That's Life, and his duet with his daughter, Nancy Sinatra. Uh, Something stupid or something stupid. And no, I'm not making fun of it. That's the name of the song. (laughs) The early years of Studio Two were dominated by some of the most memorable recordings of American television. The themes for the Beverly Hillbillies. I'm trying to think if I know it. It's like something about oil and I don't know. I'll spare you. Green Acres and Hawaii Five-0. That one I know. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun-dun. It was in Studio 3, however, that the sound of the 60s generation came into being. Here, the Beach Boys recorded their masterpiece album, Pet Sounds, and some of their greatest hits, including California Girls, Good Vibrations, and God Only Knows. So this place is incredible. Um, Go to the website and look at all the cool old photos. There's stock photos of all the celebrities recording there. It is beautiful. It's amazing. I love the uh, the vintage Art Deco style. And just to cite this, most of this information is from the actual website for the studios. And everything will be in the show notes, of course. 
but there's also some Weezerpedia and some Wikipedia in there as well. Okay, so Bill Putnam, in case you don't know who this guy is, he is considered to be the father of modern recording. He must have been super mega smart. This is really impressive. So Mr. Bill Putnam is acknowledged to be the first person to use artificial reverberation for commercial recording. He also developed the first multi-band equalizers and with his company Universal Audio, he was responsible for the development of classic equipment like the URI 1176LN and the URI Time Align Monitors. So watch out because I'm about to get fancy on your ass. Um, thanks to Brian, of course. So the 1176 became well known for its all buttons in mode, where the user literally presses all the buttons in at once. <laughs> and at the time, usually the machine would only allow you to push one button. So this was like a big deal. So when you use it on drums, for example, the mode makes the drum kit feel punchier and a lot more explosive. So for example, listen to this beat without the effect. And now let's hear it with the 1176 all buttons in on. How cool is that? Very punchy. Very cool. Okay, so let's get back to Bill. So Mr. Putnam was involved in the early development of stereophonic recording. He had studios in Chicago, Hollywood, and San Francisco. He was responsible for a million gajillion numbers of innovations, including but not limited to the first use of tape echo and echo chambers, the first vocal booth, the first multiple voice recording, the first use of eight-track recording, and half-speed disc mastering. In 1957, he started United Recording Corp. in a building at 6050 Sunset. Then, in 1961, Western Recorders at 6000 Sunset was acquired. He remodeled and incorporated it into the complex with the facilities now being known as United Western Recorders. They just added the names together. So stereo was taking off and Bill was determined to incorporate as many technological innovations into his new complex as possible. So being the father of modern recording, you know it had to be decked out to the max with all the fancy stuff. And in 1985, Bill Putnam sold both United Studios and Western Recorders to engineer Alan Sides. I guess that Bill's health had been, you know, going downhill for a few years now, and he was getting anxious to sell uh, everything. And then, unfortunately, Mr. Putnam passed away in 1989. So Alan Sides still had to convince Frank Sinatra, who owned stake in the company, that it would be cool to sell it to him even though Bill was on board. And once successful, Mr. Sides renamed both studios Ocean Way Recording. Alan 
built Studio 5 out of the old U-R-E-I offices for alternative rock producer Scott Litt, L-I-T-T. In 1999, Allen sold the building to computer magnet Rick Adams, who changed the name to Cello Studios. In 2000, that's when Weezer records in Studio 2, The Green Album. During the cello years, the studios took on more of a hard rock sound. Weezer returns for the late 2000 Green Album demos and late 2001 cello demos. This room became a favorite of legendary producer Rick Rubin. We know him, right? In 2005, Cello Studios shut down and the studios were in danger of closing for good. Just before it was slated for demolition, East West Sound's owner, Doug Rogers, purchased the facility, who changed the studios to its contemporary name, East West Studios. Obviously. So, Mr. Rogers brought in famed designer, Felipe Stark, to completely remodel the lobby, kitchen, and artist lounges in order to bring the facility into the 21st century. But he still wanted to preserve the historic look and sound of the recording rooms. So Roger and Stark's restoration of the famous recording studios is a model for historic and cultural preservation, as well as providing East-West with the finest recording environment in the world to create its virtual instruments. The famous acoustics of the recording studios were not changed and remain as designed in the 60s by Bill Putnam. In 2009, East West Studios opened its doors for business. And ever since opening, East West Studios has carried on its proud tradition of recording the best in the industry. Studio 5 went through extensive renovations and reopened in 2014 hosting projects by the Wu-Tang Clan, Frank Ocean, Martin Garrix, and the War on Drugs Grammy-winning album, A Deeper Understanding. From the front page of their website, for over 50 years, we have been making music history, turning out more Grammy-nominated recordings than any other studio in the world. Our goal remains to provide artists with the utmost service the best in new and vintage technologies, and an unparalleled creative environment. And I don't know if I told you guys this or not, but there's even a documentary and it's on the website and it will be in the show notes. Definitely check it out. It's actually really cool and interesting. All right. So musicians who have recorded at East West Studios. So this list is actually really chopped down, but it's still really long. So just stay with me here. I'll try to go fast. All right. Herb Albert, Fiona Apple, Audio Slave, and Frankie Avalon. Blondie, Beach Boys, Blink-182. The Carpenters, Johnny Cash, David Cassidy, Ray Charles, and Chicago. Eric Clapton, Nat King Cole, Bing Crosby, Bobby Darren, Sammy Davis Jr., Duke Ellington, and Neil Diamond, Mr. Bob Dylan, and Ella Fitzgerald, Green Day, Whitney Houston, Ike and Tina Turner, Incubus, the Isley Brothers, and Michael Jackson, Elton John, Madonna, the Mamas and the Papas, Dean Martin, Metallica, 
Bette Midler, Ozzy Osbourne, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Elvis Presley, Rage Against the Machine, Red Hot Chili Peppers and the Rolling Stones, Diana Ross, Santana, Carly Simon, Frank Sinatra, of course, Bruce Springsteen, Stone Temple Pilots, Barbara Streisand, System of a Down, The Temptations, The Animals, The Four Tops, The Who, U2, Richie Valens, Stevie Wonder, and Tool, and last but not least, Weezer. How impressive is that list? All right, Weezer at Cello. So Weezer recorded at Cello a number of times, including sessions for the Green Album, Maladroit, and Make Believe, as well as the late 2000 Green Album demos and late 2001 Cello demos. You can read all about these demos extensively on Weezerpedia, but I'm not trying to kill you today with me just naming off a million songs and rambling about different versions and whatnot. So you can uh, check that out on Weezerpedia. But today, it's all about the studio. Um, Here's just a little recap in case you're wondering. So Green, the Green Album, was released May 15th in 2001, and that was recorded at Cello Studios December 2000. Maladroit was released May 14th of 2002, and that was recorded December of 2001 at Cello Studios. Make Believe was released May 10th, 2005, That was recorded December 2003 through February 2005 at Cello Studios. Also noted was Grand Master Recorders, Henson Studios, and Rick Rubin's home studio in Los Angeles. So what an incredibly historical and amazing studio. It seems like it would be such an honor to go and work there. I really just want to go there and like just be a fly on the wall and soak up some of that good good energy, some of the, the mojo in there. That's all I have for Cello Studios. Thank you guys for listening and I'll be right back. I hope you guys enjoyed Perfect Situations 11 Cello Studios. What's next? All right, we've got episode 42, Only in Dreams, with special guest Keith, and I promise you're going to love it. Check us out on social media. We are Weezer at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are WeezerForever at gmail.com is our email address, and you can check us out on our website, www.weareweezer.com. You can check our merch out on our website as well. Please go buy something or tell us why you're not buying something. (laughs) Any feedback is helpful. Thank you, Brian, for the sound and for your help on this episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We recently got 200 likes on Facebook, which I consider a big deal and um, really appreciate everyone who listens and subscribes to us and yeah that's it thank you for listening all right adios we are weezer we are weezer we are weezer and i love you